Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Here's a question for you, dear listener. Do you feel lucky, punk? Well, do you? <clears throat> Sorry about the punk thing and the dodgy accent. The reason I ask is because today's episode explores luck, both good and bad. Although, mostly bad. Muncaster Castle in Cumbria is the home to the Pennington family. And in our previous Muncaster episode, I was talking to Ewan Frost Pennington, the soon-to-be owner of the castle. We got familiar with his sausages. Meat. Wow, I, I, however, you des- <laughs> however you describe it, it has innuendos. We heard about the castle's haunted tapestry room. We had too many people complaining that they couldn't sleep because of the crying child. And supposedly, the bit that I lo- like, hate but love is that it's fine the child crying, it's just when the nurse starts singing to try and oh, calm the God, child that people freaky. get too freaked out. And Ewan told us about Muncaster's most famous resident, Tom Fool, the guy who drowned people in quicksand for a laugh. If he didn't like the look of you, supposedly, as the story goes, he would direct you the less convenient quicksand-infested route. And then they get just sucked under and never heard of again. Yeah. So he's a murderer, essentially. Uh, uh, Indirectly. Yeah, as I say, the 16th century sense of humour is probably slightly different. You can say that again. The 16th century sense of humour is probably slightly different. Yeah, all right, not literally. We had our own encounter with Tom after trying to chat to Ian Douglas, Muncaster's current fool. I'm happy to say we came out alive, but it was certainly unnerving. To be fair, Ewan did give us a heads up. The kind of legend is the term tomfoolery we use a lot at Muncaster because quite often technology or just weird things go wrong at exactly the wrong time. Remote recordings can have their challenges, but what we didn't expect 300 miles away from Cumbria in central London was for this to be happening after mentoring Tom Fool. Uh, I used to live up in the Lake District years ago when my children were young. I lived in yeah. the castle a few times. So, sorry, Ian. Just, I'm gonna, Ian, I'm just going to pause you there a second. Oh, goodness, Hobnobs. Ewan's grandfather would suddenly appear from a bush. The reception's still very, very bad at our end. Um, I'm struggling to hear. I, I, I know there's a granddad in a bush. <laughs> but that's about all I got. <laughs> Tom fooled around with us like this for quite a while. We restarted and restarted, but in the end, Tom won and we gave up. Ian. Hello. Hi, it's Willem here. Sorry, I can't quite hear what you're saying. It drops in and out, but... Um... I think we're going to just stop the recording for now and then Bex or, or I'll give you a call. And we'll so was it really tomfoolery or just bad luck? If you ask me, it seemed a little too well-timed to be the latter. I've been doing this podcast long enough to know when spirits are getting up to no good. My producers, Willem and Bex, did sort something out. But before we hear from Ian, let's start this episode with some good luck. <laughs> 
Producer Willem has an enamel mug shaped like a tooth. He loves it. Even if it's dirty, he'll wash it up to use it. For tea, producer Chris likes his shrimp mug from Dartmouth. And for coffee, he likes his little red one. Oh, bless him. Personally, I'm too clumsy to be trusted with anything around here, so when I get a coffee, they normally serve it to me in an old shoe. But imagine your family was gifted a bowl so precious that it got its own name. This is the story of the luck of Muncaster. It starts in 1461, during the War of the Roses. Ewan's ancestor, John Pennington, did a very good deed for King Henry VI after one of the war's bloodiest battles. So King Henry VI, during the War of the Roses, was on the run and he was taken in by the Penningtons just before he went to the Tower of London. Indeed. Uh, the War of the Roses, of course, the famous uh, war between Yorkshire and Lancashire. Yeah. Yorkshire being the White Rose, Lancashire being the Red Rose. And what side was Henry? Oh, he was on... He was, Lan- he was Lancastrian. Lancastrian. So even though he had been defeated in one of the bloodiest battles and he was on the run, the Penningtons took a bit of a risk, took him in and looked after him for a few weeks and showed great hospitality to him. Because even though he was a useless fighter, per se, he was a very academic and spiritual person. Like he founded King's College in, in Cambridge. He founded Eton. Oh, he, he did, like, and he got murdered in the tower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, by the stabbed. That's why they called they had the um, the lilies and the roses. That's yeah. him, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So he just before coming to the tower was at Muncaster, um, and the Pennington at the time hosted him, and he was obviously so grateful that he gave them his only worthy possession, which was a Venetian drinking bowl, and he said that. As long as this bowl remains intact from uh, the, or unriven, the Penningtons from Muncaster will never be driven. Kind of a bit more, bit more sexy that that, <laughs> that way yeah. of saying it. That, that is verbatim, word for word, how he said it. He, he started a bit. Yeah. He was very tired. Yeah, at the I mean, time, lots of battles <laughs> and about to be murdered in the Tower of London. And so this this bowl has seen a lot of action in your family, passed down the generations. Yeah, there's all sorts of like mystique and history about it, and it being lost and refound. And, oh, lost and all sorts. This is um, the 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 Holy Grail of the Penningtons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you used it yourself? I've I've never used it. I've seen it twice now. How do you mean you've seen it twice? Like, I'm quite clumsy in general. And I see. So they don't let you near it. And uh, well, uh, for me, <laughs> like, I think it's a really important, like, passing of the the bowl, right, to the next generation. It's kind of a, a big deal. Um, I now know where it's kept, but I don't know where the key for that secret safe is. So I think when it gets around to me being entrusted with that key, because, I mean, I, I'm, I found out very recently that every Pennington prior to like our particular line was christened using that bowl but my parents decided not to because they were worried that it might break because of the cold water but maybe I'm (laughs) cursed as a consequence of that maybe I'm going to be the one to let the castle crumble or or be driven because I wasn't (laughs) baptised or christened with it what did you get christened with like a sports direct mug something Um, robust maybe hopefully it is the holy grail and it does give me eternal life when I when well, I get the key and I can drink from it. Well, make sure you get the right bowl, Ewan. We've all seen Indiana Jones. You don't want to die from rapid ageing. You must choose, but choose wisely. <clears throat> it must be nice having a good luck charm like that around the place, even if you don't know where it is. All I've got is this old bowl of cereal that's been in the sink for four days. The cocoa pots are so hard now I have to chisel them off. 
We're going to leave Ewan and his lucky bowl there for now, because our luck is about to turn. It's time to talk about Tom Fool. We briefly touched on Tom Fool in our first Moncaster episode, but here's all you need to know. In the 16th century, Tom Skelton was Moncaster's court jester, trickster and all-round funny guy. He was so popular, he had his own portrait, but there's a darker side to Tom. You've already heard the havoc he caused last time when we tried to discuss him with the current fool of Moncaster, Ian. Well, we've rearranged our chat with Ian, but, as you'll hear, it seems we weren't quite rid of Tom yet. For some reason, he didn't want us wearing headphones, so now and then, you may hear a bit of an echo. An echo. An echo. An echo. An echo. Ian Douglas has been at Moncaster Castle for the past 11 years, and I started by asking him the question... I'm sure you're all thinking. So how did you become a jester? Did you see an ad in the paper or did you like go for a trip around the castle and just get pissed and fall through a window and they went, there's our guy. How how do you like, how do you get the job? Well, I think traditionally at Moncaster, certainly over the last 15 years, there's been a competition and fools or performers from around the world have kind of congregated around April time and have competed for the title. Oh my god! So it's, it's, it's like it's like the full Olympics. Yeah, that's it. Just that's exactly what it is. But everyone's lost their running spikes, and all, like the baton's gone missing, and someone's got a javelin through the head. Yeah, and I, I've kind of watched it. I've watched it a number of times because I've been performing at the castle during the during the festival. But my work's quite different. I'm not that kind of jester. I don't juggle. I don't. I used to do fire a, a long time ago, but after an accident, I stopped doing it. Oh god! Do I dare I ask what the accident was? I was on a boat uh, breathing fire as part of a show on Derwentwater in Cumbria and I was on a small wooden rib boat and the only way I could get leverage was to ram my feet into the corners of the boat so I had both my hands free and in one hand you have, yeah. you have the fuel and in the other hand you have a fire-eating torch and the, you put the fuel into your mouth and hold it there until the appropriate moment and then you spray it out onto the flaming stick and... Beautiful things happen, uh, and all was well until we uh, went to the, I think it was the final rehearsal, and two minutes before I was about to put the liquid into my mouth, a large boat set off from the top of the lake, and it sent a wave flight coming down towards my boat, because I was on a tiny little boat, and I put the liquid to my lips, and the wave hit the boat, and I rocked to one side and swallowed it, uh, and it went down oh into my, my God, lungs. You sw- um, and uh, so I was in hospital for two weeks with that one. So I now have a partial lung here. Yeah, a, part, a part of it doesn't exist anymore. So I stopped doing fire breathing at that point. Jesus Christ, I wasn't expecting that at all. Yeah, well... It's like Mad, Mad Max meets the perfect storm. The thing you'll and- do to make a crust, my friend. Uh, but I was, yeah, so my act, the stuff I do as a performer is quite different. So I've worked for the castle as a performer for over 11 years now. And I think two, three, or just before COVID, actually, they decided to dispense with the the Fool's competition. And they decided to try and do it a different way. So they looked at the people they were working with. So the previous Fool to me is a guy called Gary Bridgins, uh, or Gacko. He's a, he's a, a showman performer. 
Uh, and he'd entered the competition a number of times, but never was never successful. Because again, like me, his act wasn't that kind of big show act. His is more musical and storytelling. Right. But then I think they wanted a deeper relationship with their fool, somebody who was there more and, and more prominent and more visual uh, and visible at the, at, the, at the castle. So once Gakko finished let, his let, reign... I, if I, if I, if... If I might say, less of a gimmicky hack yes. and more of an actual artist. Yeah, I think so. That's what yeah. I would say. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. And I think somebody that they knew, you know, somebody that they knew would tell them the truth and could be involved in, in thinking about the future of the fooldom and where it might come. So I was just second in line, I suppose, because of the depth of work I was doing with them. It, it was probably a natural fit. Right. And so when you did get the role, what were the first sort of main changes you think you brought to the role? Did you go in and start going, right, this needs to go, this needs to go, I want to have this? Yeah, I think I was just much more interested in... So the Fools, in, uh, uh, up until now, I think, have been very much on show at their festivals. Uh, here I am, I do my act and I leave again. Whereas the first thing I did was put the coat on and went wandering around the grounds, meeting people and talking to people and, and telling them the stories All of right. the castle, you know, and, and saying, actually, uh, I am the Fool of Muncaster, I'm a real person, you can come and talk to me. And I think that was one of the things I, th I think... That they were interested in that there was a person there that actually could tell stories of depth about the castle and about the family and about the what the, what the, right. the castle is about, if that makes sense. And do it to people on a one-on-one -on -one basis, not just in a big show. So it's a much more personal vibe. Oh, that's really lovely. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I, I am a performer I'm in my own right. I'm a storyteller. So I can do big performances for people, but also... I am very confident and comfortable working one-on-one -on -one with people and saying, welcome to the castle, you know, and suddenly they've got a face of yeah. somebody. And also I'm, I'm quite well known in the area, so suddenly there's a face that people recognise and, and want to come and see. So I think, I think it's that kind of stuff. That's what you want in a performer. You want someone who can play the Palladium but also just chat your ear off down the pub. Absolutely. Yeah, of course, absolutely. You know, and I've got a twinkle in my eye. I know when to be rude and when to be, when to be sensible, so I think they appreciate that as well, I think. And you said that... a Fool's job was to slap the face of the king and he was the one member of the court who could view everyone as equal. So when it comes to, you, you say you, you interact with the um, the tourists and the public a lot, but do you ever play tricks on the family? I'm, sp I'm thinking of you uh, in particular, because I know you and him have quite the relationship together. And he's quite a cheeky guy as well. Yeah, he is. He is. Uh, I, I haven't played tricks on him yet, but I have had to... Uh, do you know I'm I'm 51 these these days and uh, and I, and I've I've got I've got uh, we've got four children between me and my wife and uh, and I have had to bring my dad voice out on him on our oh, year. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. In a nice way. Just a you know, he's very new to the role, isn't he? And I know he's grown up in the family, but um actually to yeah. I I remember sitting around the kitchen table with, with the whole family. I'm sure he won't mind me telling you this and we were talking about Halloween projects and various other things and I did have to lean across and say, "Now listen, young man, I'm 51 years of age. 51 times around this planet I've gone, so listen to my wisdom. And, uh, and he listened, you know, what's, that's what's lovely about you. And, you know, he's, he is new to the role, but he is, he's open and, and he's listening and he's, and he's taking it all in. And he'll make a great front man. You know, I think the, the castle is in very good hands with you. The role of the fool goes back many, many years, but the most famous one is Tom Fool. Let's get into him. So talk to me about his legend and where he came from. How much do you know about him? 
So Skelton uh, was a 16th century fella, and what's really interesting about Tom Skelton? What he wasn't, you know, wasn't just the the fool of Muncaster. He was a really two sided coin. You know, if he liked you and showed favour on you, you know, he would he would give you hilarity and joy and music. He was a great lover of music and and prose and. And he could be, as much as I understand it, incredibly charming man. He loved beer, he loved good food, he loved good company. But woe betide, you got on the wrong side of him because the flip side of Tom Skelton was that he was a murderer. You know, he he was known to... Um, he... <laughs> I mean, that is quite a flip side, isn't it? Oh, it's a huge flip side. He loved side. poetry, he was into music, and he also murdered people. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, there was the, he, he was known to behead people. Uh, and his greatest... Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, he, oh. he beheaded... There's the, there's, you'd have to ask you in the full story, but he was paid to behead somebody in their sleep. Okay, well, we can't just leave that story hanging. I asked you about this, and I've got to say, I'm not sure I'd want Tom Fool in my employment. This guy is a loose cannon. So the lord of Moncastle at the time, his daughter was having an affair with a carpenter, and the carpenter was awfully kind of embarrassing the family because he was going around the local pubs bragging of how he had a thing with the lady of the house. And she was betrothed to a local lord's son, and so that was an awful embarrassment. So Tom Fool was was asked to sort sort this mess out, and he. Did I love it. he's a gun for hire. He's like a sort of Boba Fett style. Well, he was, he was right. We need something done. Hire the fool. And I think this is why he's such an interesting character because he was the fool, but he was arguably the manager of the estate and also took on loads of other roles and and jobs including gun for hire, as you say. Mm-hmm. And so anyway, he invited the carpenter around who he proceeded to get very drunk. And as the, the legend goes, he then took the carpenter's own hammer and chisel when he was drunk and asleep and proceeded to chisel off the carpenter's head and hide it what? in the... Yeah, what? Yeah. Hang on a second. This, is a, this, this has gone from funny little pranks with a painting to quicksand murders to now he's chopping people's heads off with their own tools. Yeah. This guy's a lunatic. A little bit, but at the same time, I think it comes down to what yeah. was what was done in the 16th century versus now. Yeah, I don't know. A <laughs> beheaded. Oh, he also does a bit of juggling as well, if you want to do that, <laughs> and, and face painting and balloon animals, <laughs> and he will decapitate your enemies. <laughs> Tom Fool, ladies and gentlemen, lover of beer, good food, and good company. Also a murdering psychopath. Available for birthdays and bar mitzvahs. According to Ewan, the ghost of Tom Fool is very much still present in the castle. So I asked Ian if he'd ever witnessed any tomfoolery himself. I don't believe in ghosts. Let me get this straight. I don't believe in ghosts. I have no truck with religion. I gave up thinking about those things a long time ago. The only thing I believe in on this world that is outside of normal, so let's call it supernatural if you like, is the spirit of Tom. And I've been around that castle long enough to know that Tom, he still walks the corridors up there. How do you feel the spirit comes through in the castle? I'm imagining like like echoing laughter down hallways or paintings falling off stuff, things going wrong, just an energy that you feel. So we, every year we do the big Halloween piece and, and uh, it's, it's not a particularly high-tech piece of work, but it takes people through the castle on a kind of haunted tour and it's very successful and it's very, very, very well uh, attended. Um, 
Last year, we went a little bit more high-tech and we decided to do the whole show in one room with lighting desks and computers. The first time we'd ever done it with proper, real tech stuff. And um, this is all brand new stuff. It's all been pack-tested, it's all been worked on and everything's absolutely fine. We've got a technician in place and everything just stopped everything stopped 10 minutes before the audience is about to arrive nothing is working and and this com- these computers were going flying all over the place we've got remote lights going crazy in the place and we're thinking right the audience is five minutes away and peter just very calmly as we all ran around like headless chickens just said hang on a second and he went off and about a minute later everything started working again and uh peter came in and he said it's okay i've sorted it and I said, well, what did you do? Did you find the switch? He said, no, I just went and talked to Tom. And uh, somebody had turned Tom's portrait light off. There's a portrait light above his head and somebody had accidentally turned it off. He said, so I've switched it back on and I've lit some candles and I've asked Tom to, to please uh, allow the show to can continue. We haven't forgotten about him. And I swear down, everything came back on and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it ran absolutely perfectly until the third night. Uh, a child had been in the building and had, again, had switched the light off on Tom Fool's portrait and everything went berserk again. And we'd all we had to do was go and flick the, flick the switch and it, all, and it all kicked back in again. So now we have a tradition. When we go down to Muncaster, first thing we do, we go up the stairs to Tom Fool's portrait, make sure the light's on, and I bow to him. Hello, Tom. We haven't forgotten about you. And uh, that seems to solve the problems. That's amazing. But... At what point does the fool actually become the king? It seems to me like Tom's the most powerful person in the entire place. Well, the fools run the castle. Peter will tell you that. It's the fools that run the castle, and it's absolutely right. Ian, I'm starting to see your, your ulterior motive for having this role <laughs> in Moncaster. You actually just subtly want to take the whole thing over yourself. One day. By the age of 60, you'll be, you'll be living in there on your own <laughs> with your own portrait. Oh, would you like your own portrait? Well, we've got our own banners. So my banner is me on my storytelling bike. So I have a storytelling bike that I'm well known for kind of travelling around in. There's a quite a bit of interference going on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell... Yeah, tell... I'll just go and ask Tom to... (laughs) to Here he is. That's right, listeners. Right on cue, just after Ian had told the story about Tom Fool messing with some technical equipment, guess who shows up? Luckily... Your humble host is a pro and soldiered on through the interview. How do you actually design the Fool's Banner? Do you have your own symbol? Is it like a coat of arms? What actually makes up the whole design? So it tends to be the um, the thing that you use for your act. So I've got a, a, a trike called Vera, which is my storytelling bike. So I'm presented on the back of my bike. The previous Fool, Gary, has Dolly, his trolley. It's the... Uh, it's doing it again, whatever's happening. Sorry. It is doing it again, isn't it? Yeah. Um... And that's where Tom cut us off. I was talking about Tom Skelton, he's trickery. Really? I told you. Cool. <laughs> oh. oh, that's weird. Mm. Was it sudden or sort of gradual? No, well, it took a couple of 
Yeah, they've got them. How bizarre. Told you Tom exists. After lighting some candles and a quick word with Tom, we were finally reconnected. Hello again. Hello. We're back. Hurrah. Yeah, you look way more clearer. That's much better. Should've just done that at the beginning. With Tom out of the picture, for now at least, Ian told me one of his favourite stories from Muncaster's history. (laughs) (laughs) One of the most famous characters at uh, Muncaster is Mary Bragg. She was associated with somebody in the the local town, Ravenglass, and she fell in love with a guy from upstairs, one of the posh blokes, and uh, he kind of reciprocated, uh, and they started this secret love affair. But the housekeeper at the time, she took umbrage because she quite liked him as well, and she paid some people to do her in, and they killed her. And they buried her in the grounds of Muncaster and all went on quite well until a period of time later, her body was found by a young boy and he reported the body being found. And so in a panic, they took her down to the River Esk and they laid rocks on top of her and and left her there to rot. Oh, how respectful. I know, it gets better and worse because she somehow floated up and and was found again. Mary Bragg would not be left without uh, um, letting people know that she'd been done in badly. So they took her body and they burnt it to ash and they buried it, as far as I understand, buried it beneath a tree that stood above the estate and it became known as the Cursed Tree. Skip forward in time, years later, probably about 10 or 15 years ago, There was a survey done on the grounds and in particular the trees around the area and they found out that the cursed tree was a danger. It was going to fall because it was was rotted through. It stands by the side of the main busy road so it needed to be felled quite quickly before it caused some damage. And they put a call out to tree surgeons in the local area but nobody would touch the cursed tree. Uh, The story of Mary Bragg had, had kind of been quite prolific in the area. The only man that dared do it, the only man, was a man called Murray, who's the groundskeeper at, uh, at Muncaster. And he's a stoic, big old boy, ex-soldier. And uh, he went up to chop down the tree with his chainsaw and a, there was a crowd of people gathered. And here is the truth. That he, when he cut into the tree, the tree spurted blood all over him. And he, he turned round. They thought maybe he'd chopped his arm off or something. And the tree fell, which is shocking enough. The truth of it was inside the tree, there were bats uh, roosting and he chopped into the rooster and out came this, this blood. But obviously the rumours and stories went around the village. The story doesn't quite end there because the tree was felled and then uh, people were offered the wood, uh, but nobody would burn the cursed tree wood. And Murray said, well, if they're not having it, I'll have it. So he went back again to start to chop, chop the tree up and the limbs up. I heard tell that he was gone for some hours and they couldn't reach him on his radio. And eventually he, fa- he, he turned up, clutching onto his hand. And if you ever meet Murray and get to shake hands with him, you'll notice that uh, his, his hand has a scar all the way from top to bottom because he chopped his entire hand off and it was held on only by a fleck of skin. 
Luckily enough, they managed to be able to stitch it back on and he can now use it, but it's uh, it's quite heavily, heavily scarred because he cut right the way through his hand. And the cursed tree, the rumour of the cursed tree continues. And the wood, I think as far as I understand it, the, lay, the tree lays in the field felled, but nobody will, nobody will touch the tree. And that's all come down from the curse of Mary Bragg. That's how I understand the story. I'll tell you what, Murray's a braver man than I am. If I cut into a tree that bled, I wouldn't be going back to cut it up for firewood. I'd be on the first train out of Cumbria. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. After that disturbing story of Mary Bragg, I think we need a palate cleanser. Go on, Ian. Give us one more before we go. Here's a great little story for you. And on the on the flip side, in terms of favourite moments in the castle, Iona, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this because we are friends, uh, Iona's reputation around the castle is... She's quite a formidable character. And uh, we've always got on incredibly well with Iona and find her very warm and, and a very loving character. But uh, we've always been told, don't get on the wrong side of Iona. About uh, nine years ago, Myself and my good friend Gary Bridgins, who run the Halloween show, we were up there working, putting the show on, and we did the whole run of shows. It was very successful. And it was the night before Halloween. And in the castle itself, there's a room upstairs. It's, a, it's called the tapestry room. It's a tiny little room. And it's supposedly the most haunted room in the castle. Oh, believe me, we know about that one, don't we, listeners? You in scared the crap out of me with that story in a previous Moncaster episode. Anyway, me and my friend Gary said, well, being as tomorrow night's Halloween, would you mind if me and Gary slept in the bed in the most haunted room uh, together? It's this beautiful uh, four-poster. And they agreed, and we said, OK, we'll go and do that. That's brilliant. And uh, the run of shows had, had ended, and as a, a little present, Peter and Iona presented me with a bottle of whiskey and Gary with a bottle of whiskey. And around 11 o'clock, we, uh, up the stairs, we went to the most haunted room and uh, sat around helping ourselves to a few drams of whiskey until eventually the clock struck 12 and the door opened suddenly. And we both jumped 
and it wasn't a ghost, it was Peter. Peter escaped because his wife was asleep. He said, hello boys, I've come to join you. I've brought another bottle. And we drank these bottles of whiskey and around three in the morning decided that uh, the only spirits we were going to see that night were the spirits inside that bottle. And eventually it was time for bed. I was going to sleep in the adjacent room and Gary was, because I can't sleep with Gary, he sings in his sleep, you see. He sings in his sleep? Yeah, he sings in his sleep, yeah, it's a shocker, it's a shocker. Uh, and we were just about to room and I said, and I said, listen, we, we are the fools of Muncaster, we should at least leave some kind of memory of this evening. There's a, a security camera on the wall up there, why don't we show Iona our bums? That would be a nice thing to see on, a, on an Halloween night. So we mooned the camera, laughed and went off to bed. Now in the morning we woke up with thick heads. And we sat and, and started to think remorsefully about what we'd done. And the rumours of, obviously, Iona were all around us and we were thinking, what we don't need today is to be sacked for showing our bums. Maybe we should admit to our crime. And we, we found Iona out in the courtyard and said, hello, Iona, we're really sorry, but last night we were all jinxed and, and boys and all that and we showed our bums to your security camera. So if you see our bums today, that's what happened. And she said, uh, oh... Security camera? There isn't a security camera in that room. And we said, yes, there is. It's up in the corner. We showed our bums to it last night. She said, no, that's not a security camera. That's the World Wide Web camera. And uh, where do you think every ghost hunter in the country was looking at midnight last night? And that's, uh, that's the legacy we leave behind at Muncaster. <laughs> Amazing. Things that go bum in the night. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Ian. That was brilliant. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. It's taken five months, but finally we can finish an episode with a bum pun. Just goes to show... Never give up on your dreams, kids. That's it for this episode. I'm off to the Fool Olympics. Until next time, don't ask Tom Fool for directions, don't show your bum on the web, but do mind your manners. Thanks for listening to Bad Manners. If you like the pod, please share it with your friends. Rate it on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a review and make sure you spill the tea on any of your favourite bad manners that we could feature in future episodes. This podcast was produced by Atomized Studios for iHeartRadio. It was hosted by me, Tom Horton. It was produced by Willa Malensky, Rebecca Rappaport, and Chris Attaway. It was executive produced by Faye Stewart and Zad Rogers. Our production manager is Caitlin Paramore, and our production coordinator is Bella Salini. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.